Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Community IT Innovators Webinar Nonprofit Tech Roundtable. This is always one of our most popular webinars every year, and we have a panel of our senior staff here today to talk to you about essential trends in nonprofit tech and what that means for nonprofits. They're going to spend some time talking about the new cybersecurity threats and prevention, some considerations if you're thinking about Google Workspace or Office 365, and what best practices exist as we settle down to hybrid work. My name is Carolyn Woodard. I'm the Outreach Director for Community IT, and I'm the moderator today. My name is Matthew Eshelman. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Community IT. I'm Steve Longenecker. I'm the Director of IT Consulting. I'm Norwin Herrera. I'm the IT Business Manager Team Lead at Community By the end of this webinar, we want you to be able to discuss nonprofit tech issues, uh, learn about new cybersecurity attacks and prevention, consider Google Workspace versus Office 365 and how you make those decisions, and learn about in-person, hybrid, and remote work best practices. I want to reset a little bit. Um, we've got a couple more topics we want to cover. Do not worry, we will be doing more webinars on AI specific over the next year. I am positive. <laughs> so um, keep your questions coming. But I want to reset a little bit and ask you, Matt, to talk a little bit more about cybersecurity. I know there's some new threats, um, some including AI, but some other threats out there. So if you could just uh, give us five minutes or so on what to look out for. Yeah, well, I'll use the AI point as a little bit of a, a pivot. And so I think AI is great. Um, and I think gives us a lot of capacity, particularly when it comes to writing convincing emails. Um, I think that's also, you know, the tools that we have access to are the same tools that the attackers uh, have access to as well. And so I think some of those things that we've come to rely on in the past in terms of, oh, is this a poorly worded email or is it full of misspellings? Like, oh, that must be a hacker trying to get me to click on something. I mean, I think they're using these same tools too, right? I mean, they're using tools to improve their code, to write more malicious, you know, uh, you know, web injections. Uh, they're using these tools to write um, better copy to get you to click on the link to, you know, buy a gift card or share uh, banking information or update some wire transfer. So, um, you know, so this technology is available pretty widely and, and everybody's using it. Uh, so with that being said, we have seen new attacks this year um, than, you know, we, we've seen in previous years. For a long time, we've been advocates of uh, you know, wide adoption of multi-factor authentication. So again, using something that you know, which is your password, along with something that you have, uh, in many cases, a smartphone with an app on it, uh, as a really safe way um, to um, protect your account. Uh, in some of the presentations that I've done in the past, there's a, a, a graphic that we use from Google that you know shows different MFA methods, right? You have an app, you have SMS, you have a phone call, and you have a security key. Um, so this year, uh, and I'm going through the data now, uh, or actually looking back in our data from 2023, um, we actually had a significant number of account compromises 
for accounts that were enrolled in traditional multi-factor authentication, meaning that they were using their um, smartphone, an app on their smartphone as the second factor, which is considered very secure. But through some new technology that uh, attackers were able to use called um, adversary in the middle or AITM, um, they're able to steal both the username uh, password and the multi-factor authentication token and then maintain access to an account. So it's pretty um, kind of sophisticated technology um, and it's difficult to, you know, to protect against. Uh, and so we are now uh, encouraging organizations, particularly those that, um, you know, maybe high security roles, finance, uh, if you're in, a, in the policy world, uh, looking at physical security keys, uh, you may uh, see that called FIDO or Fast Identity Online. Um, but those types of authentication methods are uh, are fish-proof and that they have a physical connection to a device. So again, certificate-based enrollment, um, FIDO keys, uh, those are sec physical security keys that provide that second factor. And at least at this point, um, uh, they're the best multi-factor authentication method that is available. And I really think organizations um, should uh, should start uh, seeing how they can improve their stance when it comes to multi-factor authentication. Again, everybody needs it. And some multi-factor authentication is, is better than none. Um, but the attackers are getting more sophisticated. And uh, there are now ways to steal multi-factor authentication tokens. Uh, and we saw that uh, happening, you know, in the you know, against the 7,000 nonprofit staff that we're supporting uh, last year. Um, other couple, you know, things that we saw uh, are, I think, specifically related to policy organizations or organizations that have maybe staff who are adjacent to government. Uh, they bear a unique um, risk uh, and they get targeted by, you know, very sophisticated threat actors, often sponsored by uh, foreign governments. Uh, in past years, we had seen a lot of that be limited to mostly online. So, you know, an interview with somebody purporting to be a journalist and asked to install, uh, uh, you know, a browser plugin so that you could have a, a video interview or something. Um, just at the end of last year, we had a couple of different cases where the threat actors uh, were actually making invitations to specific um, in-person events to purportedly meet with um you know, trade officials or some other stuff or, or be a part of a conference, contribute um, to a book and have a in-person meeting. Uh, and kind of through that exchange, uh, you know, there was an offer to, oh, you need to open up this attachment. Here's the agenda, all that kind of stuff. Um, but those events didn't exist. So in one case, we had somebody show up at a restaurant for a, a lunch meeting. Nobody had ever heard of the, the person they were supposed to meet. So a really interesting um, intersection between the you know virtual world that we've operated with for a long time for cybersecurity, and then being combined with kind of an in-person or physical uh, physical world. So, anyways, we're still working <laughs> with uh, with the FBI on some of that stuff. But again, just to expand the the boundaries of what we thought was kind of possible, or or you know, in terms of considered for what what organizations should plan on uh, on being critical of. In terms of the social engineering. Don't don't think that the introduction of the physical world means that it's not a scam, I guess, is the take home message, because the mm -hmm. actors are willing to. To introduce physical. Presence, real people. 
at least yeah. the, the, the possibility of them. The appearance of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to make sure that we uh, get a chance to talk about hybrid work. Um, and Norwin, I think you were going to take the lead on this, that we've kind of stabilized the tech, like after this mad scramble in 2020, most of the tech is working most of the time. So you want to talk a little bit more about what you're seeing at your clients? Yes. Uh, so basically what's happening is like organizations are on this understanding more the way they should work, you know, like let's be prepared for, uh, for a, a, a moment that we need to be away from the organization. Right. And then what happened with, with the, with the COVID and, and the people working from home, you know, basically the analysis of their environment, of their network infra- infrastructure, looks like it was not the way it was. It was it was not prepared basically for the new for this time of scenario. Now organizations have, are being more uh, conscious about it. They're being more mature about it, and they are like understanding that there is a way to you know have our organization secure because that's one of the first things that we it comes to point right is it going to be secure if we work from home if it's going to be remote work right so basically they are understanding more that uh this is the way this is the new way to work and basically at times it comes with the with the time of replacing servers for example so instead of replacing a server organizations are understanding that they can go serverless, for example, by doing very, I'm, I'm not going to say a small task, but some important task. For example, your file server, instead of having your file server on, on a server, of course, please move your files to either Google Workspace or SharePoint. You know, you're going to have a, the security, you got to enforce the security in your logins to Microsoft, or are you going to enforce the security to your logins into uh, your Google Workspace. So that's one of the first things that are hap- that that are coming into it. So right now, instead of basically replacing servers, organizations are like, okay, instead of investing, you know, ten thousand dollars in a new server, let's invest those ten thousand in, you know, migrating our files. And also, it's a good opportunity to organize your or organize your file because usually that's the most critical thing in the organization, and usually they are very disorganized. You know, so it's like the right moment to do it. You know, start setting up the standards. And we, a community, have a really powerful team of people working in the migrations. By now, I think we have the we got a lot of a lot of experience. And Steve is the one leading those that team. And I'm I'm very confident. Every time we recommend a migration, you know, I just basically throw the ball to them and they deliver as expected and really well. So that's one thing. And the other hand, you know, we always recommending make sure that you have policies for bring your own device policy. For example, that's something that people keep asking. We cannot provide support to your personal devices. So most organizations, instead of buying desktops, now they're thinking, oh, you know what? Let's get buy a laptop. And then, you know, they set up a design that they have monitors and they have a docking station. So they bring their laptop, put the laptop in their docking station. And they want to work from the office, right? And then as soon as you want to go and work home, take your laptop, go back home, and then you're, you're going to use the same the same device, same security, you know, that you have been using in, in your place. So basically, 
I think it's a natural thing going going on right now. The organizations are understanding the transition, and this is the way to go. I mean, I, I will say that um, we have been we have been really successful in helping our clients to move from that scenario to the new scenario. And every time we do it, like they see the benefit of it, and they are basically, you know, happy and 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 less concerned. I'm gonna say less. Let's worry about what are we doing. And there's one more thing here, right? Since since the staff is working from home, make sure that you have your security awareness training in place. You know, you can do it with us. You can do it with anybody. I mean, find a way to do it. And also, it's going to be a requirement now for your cyber cyber uh, insurance, the liability insurance. I think it's called. I don't remember exactly the name. But anytime you're going to fill out that insurance thing. Now they're going to ask you if you have a cyber a security awareness training in place. So it's going to be a requirement. So it's, instead of starting in six months, start right now. And that's going to help you because you need to train your users. And this is referring to Matt at the beginning, cyber security, to Steve when he's talking about, you know, creating uh, security access to your to your Google Workspace or Microsoft. So basically everything is in line. So make sure that we you do it. You do it right now because it's going to help. It doesn't hurt to train your staff, right? And especially in this hybrid environment. If they're at home, they they might click it, you know, because they cannot go to your office and say, hey, did you send me this email? Is this you for real? You know what I mean? Like instead of going to your you can't do that now. So instead of doing that, just learn that they are going to trick you. They're going to get you. They're trying to get your data from wherever you are. So. That, I think those are the the most important things that I can say about the hybrid work uh, environment. It's funny that we got this question at registration of, is any of this important for a tiny nonprofit? So I hope that from your um, listening today, if you are at a tiny nonprofit, that some of this has been helpful to you. Um, so we have a lot of resources on our website as well. All of our old videos from older webinars with lots of uh, information on cybersecurity training. Um, Google Workspace, as we said. So lots of different resources there. I want to just quick touch on our learning objectives. I hope you're able to, now you can go to, you know, your next cocktail party and talk about trending nonprofit tech issues, new cybersecurity attacks and prevention, um, uh, Google Workspace and Office 365, both being very viable platforms that you can use as a nonprofit. And Norwin, thank you so much for kind of updating us on things to think about in terms of uh, remote in-person or hybrid work as we're going forward. Um, I want to take a moment to kind of also answer that question about if you're a tiny nonprofit. Next month, I'm so excited. We're having a free workshop with a friend of the um, of community IT, Tim Lockie, who runs an organization called The Human Stack. Um, he is going to lead us in a workshop aimed specifically at small nonprofits, so under 15 staff who are struggling to manage um, their IT and maybe think that they are not able to manage IT if they're not like a techie person. So Tim's um, idea is that everyone is able to manage IT. And in fact, at a small nonprofit, you have to be able to manage your IT, cybersecurity, cyber liability, you know, all of the things that you need to have IT do to work for you. Um, so I hope you'll come back um, to that. I love how Tim approaches this around people. So how your people feel 
about technology is fundamental to how they're able to use it. And so this workshop kind of works you through. Uh, there's a free quiz to kind of figure out where you're at in terms of your management and then identifying like first steps of things you can work on. Um, and I really want to thank as well our speakers, Matt, Steve, and Norwin for taking the time uh, to share with us your expertise and answer our questions. Thank you again. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders, and you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.